0: Hey guys, welcome to another episode of 234 Essential. My name is Ayomide Tayo AOT2 and my course is here as usual.
1: And I am Gochi the Ibo Stallion.
0: Yup. And today we have a guest with us in the house. So we are three people recording this today. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Live in Lagos as usual. But before um, we get into our discussion with our guests, mm-hmm. if you're a first time listener, 234 Essential is the podcast I help you break down Nigerian life and helps you navigate uh, what it means to live in Nigeria, the experience of Nigeria. Yeah. Of course, if you are no time listener, you know the drill by now. Um, in case you guys don't know, you need a refresher. Family are 234 Essential for family and release therapy also.
1: Also, follow us on every social media platform at 234 Essential Podcast. Yeah. I feel like we started this podcast a little too seriously. It's just like, oh, we don't want to get into it. Okay, sorry. What do you want to say? No, I don't want to say anything. I'm just like, I I feel like, you know, sometimes there's this banter at the beginning that we have. My voice is still bad, so... (laughs) You get what I mean? But we're not bunching about anything, it's okay. You got to
0: meet Charlie Poppy and ask you for Tom Tom. Because at this point, <laughs> I don't understand this throat again.
1: My 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 president will provide yeah, when... Your
0: president doesn't have money for Tom Tom. No, okay. my
1: president... Because I've not told him my problems. Okay. You should know. As a leader, we should know. He's not... But you can feel everybody's pulse. Yeah, okay. Do you get what I mean? But I need to go to you him. Sound,
0: you sound like a butterfly person now, but move on.
1: You Ah, okay. oh, that's a terrible comparison. But my son, does
0: sound happy, no,
2: so. <laughs>
1: never okay. okay i'm sorry i mean sorry for the people that feel bad about that but no not but in i did anyway but he's our leader so anyway um as i said rightly said i think that on this podcast for the longest we've always been talking about getting somebody on the podcast to talk about mental health and also, mental health is so big in our conversations these days, especially in past couple of years. See, hey, from like five to ten, well, would we'll you say ten years? Been past five years, there's been an outburst of Nigerians or a reawakening or a consciousness yeah. of Nigerians coming to understand that mental health is as important as anything else, right? And today we have a guest that is going to take a deep dive hopefully into the conversations we're going to be having talking about the nigerian reality and how to as a normal as a nigerian maintain normalcy as well as our mental health in the craziness that we have in our country and today we have with us amanda Woo. Hey Amanda! Hi. How you doing? I'm very well. How does it feel to be on to for essential?
0: Sounds <sighs> <laughs> like when Nepa brings life. I swear. Alright, When the TV station goes off. No, 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 Jesse, don't
3: Don't leave the chat. Don't know what you're saying. Don't know what you're Don't say Nepal. When they turn off the gen. But yeah, I'm actually happy to be here. Amazing. It's nice to actually be. On the podcast with you having this conversation because you're and I talk. So, yeah. let's bring our conversation to a place where everybody can be a part of it. So, I'm happy I'm here. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I yeah. love it.
1: I'm so happy you came and thank you for honoring the invitation. You're very welcome. I'll tell you one of m- the many reasons I wanted you to be here today. Um, night 234 essential f- over 40% of our listenership is from outside of Nigeria. The us canada and the uk and then we have nigerians here who also listen to the essential yeah. and i think that over the years um i remember when you were doing um words as therapy there was a time you spoke about city loneliness mm-hmm. mm. and a lot of nigerians have left the chaos that is nigeria and moved to cities proper structured cities and also suffering the same yeah they're suffering so much so away from now the government being the problem is now that there's no network to to grow into or to affiliate yourself with so you're living a lonely life basically i'm not saying this is the reality for every nigerian abroad but that was part of the reasons i brought, you, brought you, like i wanted you to be on 234 b- because there's nobody better to have that conversation because for what it's worth i am give a little bit of context so that you can respond right yeah. before we dive into the conversation i'll speak um amanda's biography first Amanda Iheme is a licensed clinical psychologist and an architectural photographer in Lagos. She's the clinical director and lead clinical psychologist of Indidi, a private mental health practice where she works with private clients suffering from depression, anxiety, grief, trauma, and existential crisis, provides psychotherapy and consultation services for corporate firms and facilitates private and public lectures. Now, what Amanda's biography doesn't capture is that not only has Amanda lived in Nigeria, but she has also lived the Nigerian dream, current Nigerian dream. She has left Nigeria and she has come back to Nigeria. So, I don't see a better therapist Mm. to talk about what we want to talk about today than amanda to be honest she's good for what she is and the job she does so Amanda, talk a little bit about about that what i just mentioned you being in nigeria and then having to leave nigeria and what what made you what prompted you to come back yeah and also the inspiration for starting your practice
3: yes okay Um, so one of the major influences for me leaving the country was my father mm. because um, when he was looking for school for myself and my elder brother, he was thinking about countries outside Nigeria that he could afford and he, good education for an affordable price. And keep in mind, this was around like 2008. Dollar was like a hundred and something there. Mm-hmm. So oh my mm-hmm. a God. Different, time. <laughs> different a time. Very different time. Um, And there wasn't even that much consciousness with us as people as to like the influence of the power of the dollar. Compared to how much we know it now, um, so my father had sent my my eldest brother to Accra to study, and he was in school. So <coughs> when it was time for me to go to school as well, he was like, "Okay, following your brother's footsteps." Mm. I heard that they're getting good education in Ghana. is mm. close to home, and I want to expose you. My father intentionally wanted all of his kids to have the experience of living abroad mm. because there was a certain mindset he wanted all of us. To Love have. that. So, um, so yeah. So I went to Ghana. I studied psychology um, and then I did my bachelor's there did my master's degree and that was when so his plan was you do your bachelor's either in Nigeria or in Ghana and then you do your master's abroad and then you figure out your life from there mm. that was like he had a whole plan for all his kids mm. and we pretty much all followed the same pattern so I did my bachelor's in Ghana and then I did my master's in Swansea and then I came back mm. to Nigeria so that was why I went now my experience in Swansea was wasn't the best really it was very lonely um dealing with things like the change in the weather how, mm. like you know september by three o'clock everywhere is dark it's wow. not a conscious thing and mm. i was remembering something that my partner said to me this morning like amanda you're a plant you need the sun to survive yes. i didn't realize how important that so. was the sun until i had to live in a place where there was no, no sun. sunlight wow at all. I was depressed it used to rain a lot it used to get dark quickly and the environment I was in a very small town that's also something to think about Wales um, Swansea does not have a lot of exposure in terms of meeting people of different races and cultures so no fault to them it's their experience Mm -hmm. Um, so living there it wasn't like I had like a community to go and join so quickly so it was around the period when the weather started getting better the sun was coming out and I had sort of built a relationship with my housemates that things started to get better for me so having like a healthy social life. It was like the kind of thing where we would all just say, let's all go out and have dinner together Mm. and then we'll go to like the cheapest buffet in town and we'll have the nicest meals and we'll take pictures or we'll all decide let's go out to the club together we'll just wear jackets pay for the bus go down to the street where all the clubs are drink a little bit dance a little bit and go home those were good times so it was (laughs) so having like a social and it was diverse because I was Nigerian there were two Indians there was a Chinese lady there was a Brazilian then we also had a girl who was German then we had another Chinese we had another gentleman from a different African country and an Irishman mm. and then a Nigerian, a Kenyan in Nigerian. So it was a very diverse group of people who all came to study their masters together and happened to live in the same building. So we built a relationship mm. and we'll go hiking together, we'll travel together wow, we really had a friendship book. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, really, it really helped me get through living there, but after, everyone has to go mm. eventually. Um, so it, having that social connection helped me acclimatize. So by the end of my program, um, I had my master's degree, and for me as a person, my plan had always been I was going to do my master's, and after that, I get my PhD. So my doctorate would always be like the final or the big major stop. And I did apply for a few doctorates, um, I applied to school in America. Maybe I was really punching above my weight, I don't know. But there were schools I was interested in going to. I applied to those schools. I even tried to seek one-on-one supervision from university um, lecturers. People encouraged me to study in the same place I did my master's, but I was like, I'll kill myself, I can't stay here, it's too sad. So, and to then do my PhD there, PhD is already very tough, so I don't want to be in an environment where I'm not happy and then I have to now stay and do a very difficult thing. I'm already doing a difficult thing, so I might as well make my environment easier enough for me to cope with it. So I didn't want to school there. I wanted to move to England, not be in Wales. So I applied and I applied and I got rejections. My visa expired. It was around the time when I think it was Theresa that was their uh, prime minister. And hmm. after three months, if you don't have a job, you're out of the country. So I was working uh, for Zara at the time as a sales assistant on the shop floor. And that was the last job I remember holding. And I, by January, I just, you know, left the country and came back to Nigeria. So the plan was you come back to Nigeria, you stay for a couple of, you know, weeks or months, get a job. Just yeah, after some time, you go back to school. So I always mm. kind of had the idea that I was going to go back to school. But like 2015 came. By the end of 2015, I was like, nah, this is not happening. My life had not moved with the speed that it moved the or what I'd been familiar with. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I was 10 in GS as one. I was 15, turning 16 when I was in my first year university. I'd graduated and done my master's degree by the time I was like 23. So there was a speed with which I was moving through life. And this PhD was out of my control. And it was to be my access to get out of the country. At the same time, I also wanted to build roots because I had schooled um, in Ghana and I had schooled in Swansea and I'd done my national service in Ibadan. I didn't really have anything to hold me down here apart mm. from my family. So I didn't have like friends that mm. were like consistently in my life that I had formed a relationship mm. with. Like my job experiences were very wishy-washy because, you know, one time you're working as a store counter then you're also working as a person who washes plates and at the same time you're volunteering here and then you're trying to get a better job mm-hmm. so doing all of those things and even when I was in Cape Coast I worked as a bar at a bank and I worked at a radio station then so I had like different I wasn't stable and there was yeah. that yearning for that stability mm. so I said I was gonna stay here and build roots here but I didn't fathom what that could possibly mm. mean so um, by the end of 2015 which was when I came back I came back February of 2015 um, by the end of 2015 October I had to start reconciling the fact that I don't think I'm going to be going anywhere and I need to figure out what I'm doing in the long term because by this time the schools I had applied to for a PhD had pretty much just given me a rejection even one of the professors I had had conversations with was like no she wasn't gonna work with me anymore because she's going down a sabbatical or something so I lost hope and I lost spirit um, so I just started to get jobs so my father was able to get me an internship at 19. Jim where he used to work okay and then he was like I'm giving from you- there mm. oh, well you figure it out yourself mm. so from that internship I got my first job proper job at Stanby guy BTC where I was working as a PA to the head of HR and then from there I then applied for a job in Alara and then um, after Alara I started my own thing mm. so the motivation to start in Didi was that period from 2015 all the way down to 2017, when it um, started, I had also at the same time gone through like my own personal transformation, where I had to like deal with like my family issues, my childhood issues, asking myself questions like, okay, you're not defined by your educational accomplishments mm. anymore. So who are you? Exactly building relationships, having friends, learning what it meant to be an adult. Now having to be an actual part of Nigeria, I had to navigate through all that and trying to survive and thrive also means like your mental health will also come into play. So yeah. for me, like things over the years that I hadn't dealt with, I had to now start to deal with them. So in the process of doing, dealing with that and having multiple bands and going to seek psychiatric help, um, which was unsuccessful for me. I mean, I found someone, but it wasn't it wasn't compatible with me. The kind of service I was looking for, this warmth and softness, just somebody that would genuinely listen to me, um, wasn't readily available. And even the environment that I wanted to be giving therapy in, I wanted it to be one that made me feel dignified as a person, even though I was coming to seek help. Not that it's like a wall that's falling apart and there are dusty notes everywhere. Mm-hmm. Even if you're, you're poor, I don't think that you have to be dirty or yeah. disorganized. Mm-hmm you can put things in the right places and take care of your space and clean it as often as you can but he just looked and the space was so sad and miserable they didn't smell nice it was like I'm trying to get better but this environment is not inspiring so I didn't feel like I was getting help there. I took myself out. I was on medication at the time, antidepressants and mood regulators. I stopped them because I was like, there's no way I'm going to be a person who needs pills to be happy. So I'm mm-hmm. gonna figure it out on my own. And at the same time, while I was doing that, I was also volunteering as a counselor to the NGO Stand to End Rape. This was around 2016. Okay. Um, so I was taking 2016, 2017, I was taking care of myself. I was working at Alara. Um, And I was going through those experiences and after I like one time in LR I always say the moment that NGD came to me that I knew I had to do it was one day I was sitting down um, with Mrs. F and we were planning Valentine's Day and I th- and there's just this word that always comes up she's like okay we have to plan for Valentine's and we need to get some cake pops and I was like sitting there on the table and you know like there was nothing wrong with what was going on it was, was perfectly fine yeah. but I just heard like cake pops and I'm just writing it down in my notes and I'm like wow I have a master's degree and I'm i'm ordering cake pops like what am i doing with myself like what honestly it was i i think i either wrote in my diary that day that that moment was one of the very significant moments where i felt like an actual failure Mm. I felt like I asked myself the question that if I told my um, professor who also really helped me with my educational journey in Swansea, um, I really do appreciate that university system for being able to provide some form of educational support, people you can speak to, and, and having professors who are genuinely interested in your your educational skill, wisdom. So I was like, if I had to tell him what I was doing, would he be proud of me? Um, and I felt genuinely disappointed in myself and I knew that it was time for me to like take a very bold risk and I had to be very strategic about it I didn't have to be all willy nilly so when that day happened that February 14th I went back home I wrote my resignation letter I told my parents what I was going to do because I said that if I was going to build in DD I'm not going to do the typical do what you want to do and do what your parents want you to do I'm like nope I'm going I literally told my dad I'm going to take a risk on myself he said you should be applying to go and learn how to work at Shell I said no I want Shell to come and work with me I want Love Shell it. to pay me to, yeah. to do things for them that's the dream I'm trying to build mm. and I at that point I'd sort of done my own healing myself to be able to separate myself from my parents where when they tell me things like that I don't see it anymore as them trying to hold me back mm. um, sometimes I just see it as fear mm. and I know that it's genuine fear and rather um, I'll interpret it and say okay fine these things that they are complaining about do they carry any weight are they worth considering because you can't block everything out yeah, even clear. if it's not being given to you in the nicest of ways sometimes to choose can be very, can be very brutally, but it doesn't mean that there is no truth if truth is there. Exactly. So- Um, I had to do that part, um, really take into consideration what they said, um, thinking about applying. So I did try to work for another psychiatric hospital. So I actually applied for jobs and I went for interviews and I still have the diary where the interview I went for, it was just such a condescending experience where the people who were interviewing, the doctors, were trying to make it seem like I needed to know that they are above me and I am under. It was one particular man that I'm paying you to do what you need to do. If I say you should do something, you do it. I was just looking, I'm like when i left that place i wish i could find can i curse yeah, yes. girl, yeah 100%. I mean, okay so like i wish i can i, I can definitely find is it. in one of my mm. diaries where i was ranting about how like fuck that nigga like he doesn't know anything about me mm-hmm. or what's like what i'm capable of doing mm-hmm. like he's just trying to intimidate me and that really gave me that resolution to like really move forward with ndidi so before i left alara i remember i'd come up with a name Fuguchi was there that day um <laughs> designed my logo everything figured out the catchphrase for it and Then I went on Twitter and I put in my bio. that time I was still on Twitter. So I put in my, I tweeted, I'm like, I'm a clinical psychologist. If you need help, reach out to me. So there was that courage. And then there was also, and it was backed by, I have a degree. It was also backed by, I've had a personal experience of seeking help. And I know Mm. what people need. And I Mm. want to provide that service Mm. and solve that problem. And provide a certain kind of care. Um, And then also there was the fact that I was volunteering for STAIR. And during that experience, I remember working with a client who had, Experienced like a very traumatic situation. Mm -hmm. And I had seen how in like three sessions I was able to help this person heal. So it was evidence. I was like, Amanda, like come on, you You can can yourself, you can do it for someone, Mm -hmm. you have the degree, Mm -hmm. no one's gonna question you. There is a need for this thing. If this if this thing can change this one person's life and you know how it was important for you, Mm -hmm. you had it. Mm There is a market for this. Mm. So and there's nobody in the market who is going to do it the way you you're want going to, to do it, yes. So um, I went into it. Mm. And I also have to mention this that I like business and mm. I like making money. Mm. I'm a capitalist. Mm. I would say that with I love it. Chest. I'm, here. Yeah, I'm a capitalist. Here. Mm-hmm. I like making money because I want to have independence of power to make decisions and influence my economy. Mm. I don't trust the government. So <laughs> um <laughs> So I want to maintain some financial control. So there is a part of me that loves running business. Mm. I like administrative work. I like sitting down to create systems yeah. and processes mm. and because I structures. I, yeah, and structures and strategize. Mm. It's so much fun for me. I don't read nonfiction. Mm. So so I don't read fiction. So mm. like I'm that very realistic type mm. of person. So All of these things mixed in together pretty much took me down the path of let's build something that people would want to engage in. So it started in February of 2017. So by February of 2024, we would have been running for about seven years. Wow. Yeah. And so like the business I started on a chair... My room now is a team of, of different people mm. who work with me. Yes. That's a very long answer. I it like is this. Yeah, yeah. One one dream. 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 Not like, how <laughs> has you been? <laughs> <laughs> fine. Nah, nah. So, oh gosh, yeah. so
0: since you started, like how has it been? Because like Guguchi mentioned, it seems there's like an awakening uh awakening about mental mental health in nigeria but i'm seeing that only from social media mm. is there like a reality that people really want to deal with issues that has been seen as has been seen as taboo or mm-hmm. we've kept under the carpet for a long time in nigeria
3: mm.
0: what we say like what we say has been the patronage like been like
3: it's actually been good there are people want help nigerians mm. want mm. to get better um and this is not just simply for the fact that I'm seeing work this is also because my colleagues are working too Mm. so it's not there are people who are Employed people are, and people are constantly every day seeking help, looking for help. And you can't have just one flavor of therapists, you need a variety to find who works best with you. I'm sure there are people who I don't, they had sessions exactly. with me and it didn't work, but with somebody else, it's like amazing. Mm. So, you need to have that option of who to choose from. So, not everybody, I only me cannot take care of like 200 million people. Death. So, people are coming up to it. Is it as I don't know what the impression is like on social media considering um, Twitter is different from Instagram and not Yeah, different. Yes. And also the things that people are saying, are people saying, go to therapy, I'm going to therapy or are they saying mental health matters because those are different things. Mm. Some people have the awareness of your mental health is important Mm. and you need to do things to take care of your mental health. Then there's a different set of people who have moved from a place of I know mental health matters but mental health mattering means i actually have to take care of mm. mental health and then you have people who can afford it and then blah, 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 and people who have access to it mm-hmm. so a lot of nigerians are still in that stage where they are coming into the awareness that mental health matters so it's still trickling because the more people have the knowledge the more they're willing to buy the products. Mm-hmm. so it's trickling like that awareness has created more people coming in so but i, I did the same i can't tell mm. But you can take note of it if you pay attention to that particular thing. What are they saying? Are they saying that they're going to therapy? Are they telling people to go to therapy? Are they buying therapy for people? Mm. What, are they, what are they doing as mm. well? Or are they just saying mental health matters? And are they saying it when someone has committed suicide mm. or they'll cause harm to themselves? During which times do they speak about it or even, you know, make it a part of their lives? I think that could also be a way of assessing. Oh, no. okay. I
1: have two questions. Go ahead. Um, one being you mentioned psychiatry Mm -hmm. in your explanation because in my what i thought was that there was a difference between psychotherapy Mm -hmm. and visiting a psychiatrist yeah right that's one i know there are different forms of therapy and so when people say oh go for therapy these days in my mind i'm just like which one are you going for is this psychotherapy yeah or are you going for aromatherapy yeah. there are different types of therapies mm-hmm. right so first of all the differentiation between yeah. psychotherapy and psychiatry yeah. and then how has it been running a business sme startup in nigeria pff,
3: throughout these years for the past seven years um okay so the first question what is the difference um a psychiatrist is a doctor mm. yeah so you've gone to med school and then you get to the point where you have to do your specialization and yeah. you specialize in psychiatry mm-hmm. now because you've had that study of human anatomy and i think it's also part of the course of psychiatry you also learn about you know you <coughs> The prescription of drugs, what yeah. drugs to use to treat mm-hmm. what particular neurodevelopmental disorder or you know mood disorder or mm-hmm. So, um, so as the psychiatrist is a person who went to medical school, is a doctor, specializes in psychiatry. When you go to see a psychiatrist, they have the capacity to diagnose you, they can also administer drugs for you, they can write prescription for you, and they can refill that prescription for you. Okay, and they can also provide you with psychotherapy. Now, psychotherapy is a skill. Mm. And a person who offers psychotherapy is a psychotherapist. Mm. Okay? So, a psychiatrist can be give you psychotherapy and a clinical psychologist can give you psychotherapy. Mm. Especially if they're trained in that, they're skilled at yeah. doing it. So, the short form of that, a person who practices psychotherapy is a therapist. Mm. And psychotherapy is Talk therapy. That is it. The very act of sitting down with one person to talk to them is called psychotherapy. Mm -hmm. Now there are many different principles of practicing psychotherapy. You can practice psychotherapy by CBT, which most people are familiar with. That's cognitive behavioral therapy, Mm -hmm. where the focus is on your action and your behavior will give you the results you want, the well-being you're looking for. So, mind, condition, body. You have um, Adlerian type of therapy. You have existential therapy, which is focused on providing um, therapeutic treatment from the perspective of the meaning or the purpose of life mm. where people can be depressed but it's not because they don't have certain things mm-hmm, or they have gone through traumatic things but they just can't figure out why they're here. Mm-hmm. Then you have feminist therapy which focuses on how social issues are actually the cause of people's mental illnesses. Mm. Oh. Then you have psychodynamic therapy which many people are familiar with which is where we explore your childhood experiences and mm. see how that impacts you as an adult mm. as well. So, There is and also the exploration of your consciousness and your subconscious as a way to help you understand yourself more. So there are different types and principles of psychotherapy that a psychotherapist practices and a psychiatrist can give you psychotherapy and a clinical psychologist can give you psychotherapy. Mm. Then a clinical psychologist is a person who has gone to study psychology for four years has a bachelor's degree, then studies for a master's in clinical psychology. Specializing. Specializing in clinical mm. psychology. And some of us take it further down to have a PhD in clinical psychology. Mm. When you have a PhD in clinical psychology, we'll call you a doctor. Mm. Yeah, because mm. you've gotten your doctorate. Doctorates. So you get called. But if you don't have a PhD, you're just a clinical psychologist. Mm. Now, a clinical psychologist can assess you, can diagnose you, can refer you, can provide psychotherapy for you and recommend even other therapeutic methods, but we can't prescribe drugs Mm. and we can't refill your prescription either. Mm. So if I think that a client of mine is going to need drug medication, I'll refer them to a psychiatrist because that's what it is. Now you can get therapy and psychiatric care from a psychiatrist, but more often than not, what we tend to see is that sometimes psychiatrists prefer to just refer the client to a psychotherapist because mm-hmm. that is what they're really good at. Mm. And that's like, that's a focus of their job and such. But some psychiatrists also do offer psychotherapy. So you can have two in one and you can also have just your psychotherapist. Some people don't need drug therapy, they just want a psychiatrist, mm. a clinical psychologist, or a person who practices psychiatric psychotherapy, a therapist to work with them. So you get trained in the art of psychotherapy. So I Mm. think there are some people who just have a bachelor's and then went for training for a psychotherapy certificate. So they are therapists, but they don't have the same. I need to just be 100% sure of what I'm saying, Shaft, but Mm. that's the difference between it. So I'm a clinical psychologist. I have a master's in clinical psychology. I can diagnose, I can refer and Mm. treat mental illnesses, Mm. um, but I can not prescribe drugs. Oh, okay. Does that answer it? Yeah, Yeah. 100% long
1: detailed answer very needed too because there's a lot of misconceptions yes um we're still as nigerians trying to understand understand, Understand that's why exactly i asked you because i know that you would have you would definitely go into (laughs) the salad you know um and then what has it been like running a business especially one as particular as yours Mm -hmm. in
3: nigeria what has been what has it been like the journey um over the past seven years um you know sometimes i, I wish i had like a very oh my god it's so tough and ah kind of story mm-hmm. but it's more often than not it has been a thing of learning how to be consistent and committed to something even when you don't want to do that thing um, and learning that passion can die. Yes. Yeah. And that sometimes what what comes to make a dream work is just accountability and responsibility and discipline. Yes. You do it because you know it, it works, it's good, it's functional. Yes. It's not because you have any super deep emotional, passionate connection to exactly. it. Exactly. be a very jarring experience. But yes, learning that discipline is important, commitment is important, consistency is power. The ability for you to show up at something consistently every day, to make it work is such a powerful thing it's a very slow moving type of power Mm. um, and that it should be rewarded by the person who practices and those who observe as well Mm. Um, I've also learned that um you have to be strategic. You need to know how to think about money. I've also learned what it means to, to a certain degree, what it means to run a business in Nigeria, which is that you need to know what's going on in the news. Mm. You can't ignore it. Even if you're getting it from multiple sources, mm. you need to know what the government is doing, what people are saying, because that keeps you aware of what's happening. You yes. need to know what's happening in a social world. You need to know what's happening in the economical world. You need to know what's happening in the world around you because it's going to impact your business. Um, there used to be like that distance before the dollar set People started to see how the dollar was affecting mm. them. Yeah. But if you're going to think of a business and you want to grow it, you need to be aware of how, okay, the finance bill is out. What does that mean for my business? Mm-hmm. How does it protect mm-hmm. me? Mm-hmm. The mental health bill is out. You need to know about legislations and laws. And yeah. I've had to learn about taxes and levies I have to pay to the government and such. So it has opened up my mind as to like what it means to run a business in Nigeria. Um, and then it's been challenging as well because... You know, it's not a straight line. You have successes, you have failures. And that also then brings to conversation what you measure yourself as every year. Am I, is my business making profit or are we pulling a loss? And what are the things that are contributing to this profit and this loss? It's a passion, but it's a job. You And you're when you're growing, um, you can't grow alone. You have to bring other people on board. It takes so, village. Yes. So it takes a, a, like a full team to mm. grow these things. Mm. And even the quality of the people you bring also matters. So if you're going to bring people on board, you know that you're not just hiring them, but you're also creating a platform for them to explore themselves and their own capacity as individuals. Mm. Maybe somebody thinks that they're really great at, you know, clinical psychology. They don't want the burden of running the practice, but they want to practice. So you're doing that. You're creating like opportunities for these people to explore themselves. So you to also pay them for the work they're doing so now you have to start thinking about money so you have to be disciplined around finances to grow finances you have to be strategic um, I think one thing I learned this year is that you don't always have to spend a lot of money to make a lot of money you yes. mm-hmm. just need to know how to put your money in the right places yes, yes. Mm-hmm. what to invest into it and there was something else that my one of my first accountants taught me he was like we're looking at my book and we're talking about how do I make profit for this year now. and I was like well maybe I should cut down how much we spend on this and how much we spend. he was like no no Amanda when you're trying to grow a business you don't think about cutting down expenses you think about making more money yes that's a much more positive and abundant way and Mm -hmm. always carry that with me so running a business here has also taught me that then in customer experience it's also taught me that um just because you're doing a good thing does not mean everybody will respect you. Mm-hmm. Um, when I go outside and I meet people that have, you know, either helped through like a talk or therapy session or a family member that's come to meet me, you know, I get all this positive feedback. Thank you so much, Amanda. Thank you so much for having Ndidi. Sharon was amazing. I really like talking to Sandra. Like they're complimenting everybody in the team because they, the experience was great. But at the same time, and that also puts me in a place where I'm like, okay, we're doing something great, right? And at the same time, we're doing something that is necessary. Mm-hmm. So there's a certain expectation I had when, Beginning, where I was like, you know, if you're doing a good work, people should always treat you with respect. If you're Mm. giving free food out, they should be at least nice to you. That's Mm. the first way. But I've learned um, that that's not true people are people nonetheless, um, that they would not hold you, always hold you to the highest esteem or treat you in the most dignified way. Yes. Especially when they are receiving a service from mm-hmm. you. And I have also learned not to take that personally
2: mm-hmm.
3: um, and to also recognize that, you know, they're probably just having a bad day. Or mm-hmm. uh, even if they have that bad attitude, they actually still do need help. Mm-hmm. And I think one person that has really helped me center, really come to understanding of that is um, my office manager, Sandra, because she now deals more with the face-to-face and mm-hmm. she always just tells me, Whenever the it goes beyond her and then touches me, and I'm really hurt about it, you just recommend that. That's how these people are. You need to also understand that we're dealing with a unique set of people yes. in Nigeria, and there's a certain way that they want to be dealt with, or addressed, or treated. So what I've just learned is just to you know calm them down, and then offer them the service that they're looking for. So my customer service experience has it has grown love that yeah okay sorry please mom, i'm talking too much Just no free free, free, free free no please. no be good ah.
0: yeah you're really you're good so in a country like nigeria where mental health um is still relatively new mm. and all that how much do you think religion plays into people saying oh i need help mm. because yeah. sometimes we see the church take that role yes of oh let's deal with this person therapy wise and everything Mm -hmm. call it counseling yeah so how much does that play into that is it good is it bad what are are your views on it
3: i think that it is good it is bad and it's also bad because people don't know how the medical and clinical world can work with the spiritual world they don't put it together they always see it as things that should be apart Mm -hmm. from each other I don't think that religion and science are enemies of each other. I think that they both confirm the existence of each other and are there to support each other because they both matter. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just the way we build that power. So yes, having religion is good because people who have faith do well in therapy because they have hope. Mm. your faith gives you hope which is why like in the worst days in the country people will always still go to church and they'll say as long as I have God I'm fine mm. as long as God is with me I'm okay so when that sort of person comes for therapy you then also because in therapy you further instill hope yeah um, the stress they're going through might affect how much they pray or how often they go to church or how much they engage with their God, the feelings they have towards God. And they wouldn't run away from it. They want to address it. So they will bring that distress and um, into therapy. Like, okay, I know that this thing is affecting me, da 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 da, da. I need to figure it out. So people that have faith it helps as well because you can rely on their faith to help draw them out of the darkness and it's mm. like so sometimes in um therapy sessions i'm referring to like either the bible i don't know the quran very well so i can't refer to the quran um but whatever practices that already exist like in the muslim religious yeah. we make it a part of you know okay you're praying five times a day these are the things you need to do but how about we extend that way after your prayer each time you spend like 30 minutes with yourself to just sit down and reflect on yourself and ask this question. So you see how therapy, well-being, and spirituality like work hand in hand to improve the individual. So, um, we have, as people talk about astrology, they bring the astrology reports to therapy and we sit down and look at it and use the knowledge of, okay, you've been coming to therapy for a while, I understand your behavior. Um, let me, this is also how it is manifesting itself in this astrological report that you've been yeah. given to by your star reader. Um, um, so we have there is a way to work together, but people don't know. And the thing about the no part is where instead of religious people to um, put people in the right direction, you know that this is beyond, faith healing, right? This requires a different type of healing. Rather than allowing that person to get help or caring for them in that way where you're like, oh, this one don't pass me or you guys go see doctor. They don't do that. Rather, they just punish the person because... It's almost that reaching, getting to a point where something is not within your capacity to heal, makes you feel like a fraud. I feel like that's what they feel like. They feel like mm. frauds, and as a result, must assert their own their own power. Power over by, that exactly by not allowing you go and go and seek help from someone who is much more effective than they are. Or it's even just their own ignorance, or just belief systems that they hold so dearly that they they refuse to see beyond it. So there's a part where. Having faith helps you heal, but there's also the part where having a religious belief can hinder you from being able to access care or even giving yourself access to care, the permission to say, I can go seek a therapist or I can go seek a doctor to help me. But in the middle, there's a place where your spiritual belief and your mental well-being care can work together.
0: Okay, thanks for that great answer.
3: Another, you are making me feel like I'm talking too much. No, no.
0: you have to talk too much.
1: Exactly, a therapist um, to
0: explain. I don't know if you um aware we are aware aware of um something happened a few weeks ago where a young lady put out a video where her parents were talking to her because she wanted an yeah. iPhone eight. How much does the parent-child relationship affect you as an adult?
1: I love this because question. we are in a
0: country where. So we are different eras. The Mm. era my mother came from, Mm. it's not the same era that I'm from. I don't go to the same era my child goes to be from at the end of the day. No, that era had set of, I I call it Victorian era principles. Conservative, hard work, Mm -hmm. this should not be this, you know. And it seems that now parents are saying one language and children are saying another language. I will now see young people now coming out to say, oh, the way I was raised up was, was the way that affected me. Can you just shed more light on that?
3: Okay. So, how does the parent child relationship affect the person you become? It's a significant part of it. Um, usually, people would ask me sometimes, like, what is one thing that you actually treat a lot in Lagos working with Nigerians? And it's really childhood trauma. Mm. Um, some people have experienced very violent. Um, types of affection. I don't know if I even call it affection, but they have experienced violence, either mental, emotional, physical, or spiritual violence from a parent or a significant adult in their life growing up. Or a guardian. Yeah. And you see, these things have an effect because it's not as if because you can't remember the everyday detail of your childhood that that part of your life never happened. There was never a stop or a break in your life where you became like a whole new person. Mm. It's just that now as an adult, you just don't have as much (coughs) consciousness of what your childhood was like. like. But that does not mean like it never existed. So, um... Does the childhood affect the adulthood? Yes, there's continuity in the entire process. The things, because the childhood is a part of yourself where you form your identity. You get to know who you are as a person. You get to know the relationship you have with the world. Your mind is just pretty much brand new to this entire world. And you need to root your belief in the world on something. Your parents are literally your anchor to reality. So whatever it is that they say is true to you because they know more than you do in this life. You can imagine even just as an adult how people can use your lack of knowledge and your ignorance to manipulate you. Mm. Now imagine being a child where... You don't even you, you don't have the capacity to tell that this can even be dangerous sometimes yeah. because you're a baby so you're you're dealing with parents who will tell you that you're not good enough or they beat you down or they compare it to other kids or their siblings or you witness your parents have like violent relationships they either talk down at each other or just have very poor habits of communication or you grew up in a household where there was no intimacy or connection between the family members you know, that's all you're learning like that experience that you're living through you're learning in that experience so as you get older, that will be all you know. You're not going to think that, okay, when you grew up in a household where you never learned to be vulnerable, you're going to grow up and just become a vulnerable adult. Mm-hmm. No, it doesn't work like that. You're not just going to become such a great person. So which is why it's important that when you, as you get older, you're constantly reevaluating the experiences you had as a child and the ways that you even interpreted that experience to define yourself as a person, to know if it is valid or not. Because when you now look at your childhood from the perspective of an adult you tend to learn that a lot of times it really wasn't about you. And that's what a lot of kids need to know, adult children need to learn, is that a lot of the negative things that happened to them was not a definition of who Who they they were, but more of how that other person was choosing to process their life, their world, and how they treated them. So your childhood does significantly affect, and like the lady that had the, I never heard the call, I've only just heard people's opinions Opinions. of it, I've never watched the video, but if she's growing up in a household where her parents can speak to her the way people said her parents spoke to her, then you can only imagine the type of adult that she would be when she gets older. Like, mm-hmm. and even how does she think of herself? How does she feel about herself? Because for you to post that kind of video on the internet, there are different things you have to think about. I know that we are a generation that um, we're in a generation where people just like share everything. But this is not your parents saying something positive to you. This is something mm-hmm. your parents say something negative to you. Yeah. You have to think about your parents, yourself, what people are going to say, the comments. Even if you're doing that alone because you want to get clout, that very fact that you're thinking in that particular way is a problem because mm. you've stopped thinking about yourself in an emotional way that protects your own identity and self-worth from, oh, this is what they're giving me at home. You've put yourself out so vulnerable to the world like that. So, And if you're doing it for the intention of getting attention and money, that's an issue. But if you're doing it as a cry, a cry for help, that's also an issue. And if you're doing it for any other reason, just that very act of doing that is is something that needs to be questioned. Like, why did you think it was okay to put up such no, a conversation know. that paints you your parents, and your family dynamic in a certain kind of light. So you can only imagine how she feels about herself in the first place to be able to carry out such an action and think that, like, you know, I can live with the consequences of it, whether it works me or not. So, mm. yeah, your childhood matters. It matters a lot, a lot more than you think it does. not mm.
0: Okay.
3: I think
1: my next question, I really like that you answered that because a lot of people are here walking around with... lot of trauma from childhood Mm -hmm. um and so taking it away from the family now to the society in general how is it possible to live a mentally stable life i don't know if that's the right word Mm -hmm. in a country like nigeria where things are consistently changing Mm -hmm. nothing is set in stone we have we lack a lot of structure we lack a lot of love as a people we are not naturally vulnerable people there was a time when they used to say nigerians are the happiest people alive right yeah does this mean that we lack the ability to internalize or to reflect on ourselves and our problems, what is what, what is it? What, how do you maintain mental stability in a country like Nigeria? Um, Straight up,
3: I think that for some people it is accessible, and some people it is just not. Mm-hmm. Like there is a certain experience that um, you have as a Nigerian, where it's like if I told you that you can live a very mentally healthy life, um, it definitely. Sorry, can I just quickly say this? Text mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. Mandy, this yeah.
1: conversation. I think that I also want us to highlight. Uh, you have foreign customers, right? Yeah. Yeah, I would like for us to touch on those people as well because uh, me, me, I have friends that are abroad that they are suffering right now. Yeah. Because of the switch, so that's why where this conversation is going to get to. Okay. Um, it's also like opening your business up to that sort of climate as well or a lot of nigerians don't know that they can find help here
3: yep they don't.
1: Yeah, they don't yeah. know. You we we'll talk about therapy, just like it's so expensive. Okay, so kids, think. Mm-hmm. But okay, so um, let me remember the
3: first. Do you remember the first question you asked? Yeah, like what, what, how do you maintain your mental yes, state okay, so in a country like, like Nigeria? That, I, I will not. I will not even bother asking you to maintain your mental state because at that point, it's just going to be an insult to you. Mm-hmm. Like the, the the basic things you need to maintain your mental state does not even exist. So if I'm going to talk to you about anything, I better be bringing. As I'm having that conversation with you about your Mental state. I also need to, at the same time, be feeding you mm. so that you can have the space to be able to think about your life. If I'm, I, I'm probably giving you one thousand naira for food and then saying, okay, tell me what's been going on. Mm. Let that money just soothe your soul, even if it's for that hour. So if I'm going to talk to people about that sort of situation, it's to put it in a situation in a space where they can access it, but also maybe also access some benefits with it. Um, then there are some people who um, are much more fortunate in circumstances, and your fortune. Gets gets more as you climb up the hard, ladder. So the things you can then do at different levels then it expands and goes greater. So yes, I wouldn't be asking someone who has to leave office at 9 a.m. Sorry, 9 p.m. at night and gets to work at 6 a.m. to be doing meditation in the morning. Mm. That's not... No feasible. Like, no, in the bus. not feasible for you in the bus. Mm. Like, there's too much noise around you. Exactly. So the maintenance of your mental health in Nigeria has to be tailored to the economic situation that you're in because mm. you have... It very limited access to certain things. So for the basic, basic, let's just say people who are just a bit higher than, um, you know, people who people who have to, like, go long distances for work or people who have very access to minimal income. What I'd say is, like, first of all, lean on the NGOs. Mm. The mental health NGOs are here to give free care. So on that level, you don't have to worry about um, a lot of things. You have NGOs that offer free counseling. You have NGOs that offer... Um, people to listen to you. Um, you have spaces where you can just rant. Like with the practice, we decided to just create a platform um, where people just talk about what's going on in their lives. Like just, if it's anonymous. We don't, we're not asking for your name. We don't want to have your number, nothing. We just want, you know, just like a text message format tell us what's on your mind right now, how you're feeling. Some people just rant. Um, there's always a question of, do you want to get more help? Mm. If you don't, then we're going to just connect you to all these free resources. So just creating that channel, that free channel for people to get care. So I'd say take advantage of those NGOs because they can be very Do helpful. you want to name some of them? Yes, yes. There's the Anti-Suicide Squad, Anti-Suicide and Depression Squad. Mm. There is... um. Excuse me. There is Psych Babble. There's also... Um, Oh my gosh stare which is starting to end rape there's mentally aware nigeria i think there's sunshine series um there's a girl group called Era wellness um there's also this group that someone just recently told me about called wanton women there is um and then there are therapists who also offer like discounts and have talks on zoom and stuff like join these things like mm. they're very accessible they're on the internet you can listen to them youtube is also a really good resource to, go to. yeah because you can ask the questions you want to ask about your well-being and get an get answer to it i know that even our watch youtube mm. i see them in lots yeah. yes people watch youtube on the buses so the moment you get to be able to educate yourself mentally in that way google youtube quora the internet social media platforms let that be a part of your resource that would at least give you a perspective that you can inculcate into your life to make it softer for you. So free resources. When you get higher and you can afford therapy, then I spread the knowledge from those resources with getting professional help to mm. then improve yourself. So taking care of yourself, you need to know what you're able to do. Yes. And then fit that into your lifestyle. But always make room for yourself, like looking after yourself and caring mm. for yourself and taking care of you yeah i don't know if i yeah, yeah.
0: I um yeah. i'll to ask um, do you offer couple therapy
3: no i tried and it's not my thing okay away i'm always hard
0: yeah because really you will say yes i wanted to ask like oh, how Lord. gender roles gender norms and expectation for like from both ends mm. from both genders yeah. affect relationships for modern-day nigerians
3: mm. romantic relationships yeah Um, The expectations, of course, yes, they do affect um, the presence of them and even the lack of them as well. does affect Nigerians. Women who are more dominant have their own experiences and type of the issues they face when they try to find a partner. Mm. And women who are more submissive also face challenges in terms of trying to find a partner. I think that cuts across is that People have needs, but more often they are not. They are not getting the quality of partner that they want, yes. even if those partners share the same ideals with them, or if they don't, they don't also know how to work together. So yeah, so whether these expectations have like, oh, she can cook, clean, take care of the house, wants to have babies, the traditional wife, or she's a woman who wants to like, you know, have not have kids, or maybe even have kids but have nannies, or have kids and have a job, just like different choices she's making in her life. Trying to find a relationship is difficult. It has its own issues. You also have men who fall under the other category. He either makes money or he doesn't. He can pay my bills or he can't. Or mm. I can afford a car, a house. I can mm. pay for this. I can you know, get married. I can have kids. I have a good paying job. Or I don't. Either ways, Kasala still there. Mm. So I think that apart from the gender expectations that people have, where there is that mismatch, you want something, but you're going for something different. Um, there's also that fact that people <clears throat> are also not growing as individuals on their own they're not learning how to communicate they don't learn how to create vulnerability intimate relationships they are not learning how to cultivate healthy relationships dating has become much more of a stressful experience for most people mm-hmm. so there is the human problem before we then even uh, enter the layer of the gender mm-hmm. yeah. oh
0: wow
1: that's a crazy problem <laughs> my I want to ask you a question, really, really random, before I go into the question I really want to ask you. Yeah. How are you able to separate your practice from
3: your friendships? Mm. It's not a, it's not like a um, complete separation, because the things that make me a good therapist are the things that make me, like, it's who I am. Mm. Um... I'm a good listener in therapy but as a person I also am a good listener mm. um, that's why I'm really good at it. therapy is just a place for me to just fully hype hype like increase that thing I'm interested mm. in it's like what we're talking about earlier where you said you when someone tells you what their business problem is you automatically want to solve the problem mm. so when you then put that into like a name and a business that space gives you the chance to explore those qualities about True. yourself so it's the same thing with therapy so it's never not a part of me um in therapy of course i'm being paid to listen but as my friends are not paying me to listen so yeah the kind of attention i'll give when i'm listening to my friend you can't compare it to the same one i'm doing therapy because mm. i'm not diagnosing anything so i'm present sometimes my attention will go but i'm coming up mm. but i'm there for them so um i keep it separate as well because one of the major things is learning that my job is to help people fix their problems. My friendship is not that, Mm. that's not what I'm here for. I'm only here to listen. And if the person needs my advice, They will ask for it. They didn't ask for it. I might give it. Yeah, I won't give it. I might offer sometimes, but I wouldn't always be ready to just, I'm always ready to listen, make an attempt to listen, but I'm not always ready to just swoop in and save someone. So Mm. I constantly have to remind myself like, it's not my place or my job to try to solve my friend's problems. problems. Yeah, it's just, I'm just here to listen. Mm. Yeah.
1: Amazing, um, I think that one of the stressors of the of the average Nigerian is work.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> I think that is where the mental health it really they shake. Yeah, because corporate Nigeria, I don't know about any else in the world, but corporate Nigeria is is maddening. Yeah, away from the commutes yes. to go to work.
2: Yes,
1: away from poor salaries, or mm-hmm. delayed salaries, or no salary. You also have to manage the human relationships in the company. Yes. Don't talk about that, corporate about corporate
3: he- mental health. Okay. Oh, corporate mental health. I have, like, two, two feelings about it. Tell the me. The first one is a positive one, and the second is a negative one. So I'll start with the negative one. Okay. The negative one is that people are... People are not learning. They're only learning about how to make money, but they're not learning how to create an environment Mm. that sustains making money. God bless you. Beyoncé is Beyoncé because Beyoncé has a mad team Mm. beside her. And there's a certain kind of environment that you have to create for people to be willing to always put their best foot forward Mm. and for people to want to stay with you. Mm. Work environments here, don't think about the culture of the workplace or the environment they create for the individual that works with them. And the people that work there also do not think about how they contribute the culture that they yeah. are part of. Mm-hmm. So it's not creating a healthy work culture is not just one person. You know, course. you can have like an abusive boss but you can also have an abusive colleague mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you can have a disobedient um, subordinate or disrespectful calm, some just boss boys can hit you from anywhere. So people are just not conscious of what they contribute and how to create and how to sustain. If you don't have a healthy work environment people are going to be very unhappy and that unhappiness is going to show if people had a healthy work environment, like majority, some of the troubles and problems that some of us have as Nigerians will significantly reduce. There are people who, because of their sanity, had to leave their jobs, that the risk of um, going broke because they were. As they were making money, they were like slowly withering away before yeah. their own eyes. Mm-hmm. On top you want to make money. So yes, your job definitely does affect and the experiences that people share, the kinds of abuse they experience, the negative, unhealthy, some things that some people's bosses do and say and I'm just like, hmm. damn man, like Damn, you know, like outside the workplace, where just people. I feel brushes exactly. for rude. Like, but now, because now you pay my money. money, now why they can't like, uh-uh. like, why would you say that to another person simply because you pay them money? Like, people's egos go into their work yes. so bad. Yeah. And being a business owner, it has made me have like a bit of sympathy because we are working with people too. You also have to collect their own. Yeah. Mm. And there are sometimes when my team members would do some things. I'm just like, mm, damn, <laughs> like it's. So, and now there are times when I've had bad days. Like I've like when it gets to a point where I'm just asking my friends, like, am I, was I really a bad person for changing it for them like that? But in the end, you know something everyone tells me it's like it's necessary. You have yes. to, if you don't push me like that, I'm not going to grow. Like. Yeah. But it's just knowing and I had the exit interview for one of our team members recently and she was like that if you don't push me like, how am I going, like it's necessary for you to put me that way. But the thing that she liked was it wasn't destructive criticism. It was, Constructive. So learning mm. how to give healthy, constructive criticism to people. Um, so, yes, I did have a bit of sympathy for the frustrations, but at the same time, I'm like, just because you're frustrated does not mean that you abuse. But then the second thing that makes me happy is that some companies are now opening up more to mental health awareness and offering it as a service to their team members so that if anything is going on or they're having issues, they have a therapist that they can talk to. So there are a few corporate firms I work with with. Um, I either go there for classes to talk to their staff members about what does mental health mean, how do you take care of yourself, and it's been very helpful, and people have different questions about, oh, how do I take care of my kids, Um, what am I supposed to do as a man, how can this happen, and that. So it opens up the floor for that kind of conversation, and So I love that. I love that companies are not running away from that conversation and making it possible, like they're thinking about it, like companies are like, okay, we have a staff member that we know needs your help. So the HR is working hard Mm. in Nigeria. So that's my it's it's a shitty work environment, but there are companies who are making a, a difference.
0: Yeah. Um. Earlier, when you're talking about your story on how, how you set up your own practice and everything, you spoke about journaling a lot.
3: Yeah. I just want you to underline
0: how important it is for people, especially for those who can't really afford, like, you know, talk therapy. Yeah, therapy, how much journaling helps in balancing you and helping you see things objectively.
3: Yeah i think that with journaling it helps to pair journaling with self-reflection if not you're just journaling
0: writing things down
3: yeah just you're just documenting your life literally just writing us a very nice little novel that we might read after (laughs) you die Mm -hmm. so it helps to pair journaling with active self-reflection and behavior change what journaling does is it gives you the space to To have a conversation with yourself and an honest conversation with yourself. You're writing about how your day went and answering, it's not just like a chronicling of your day, it's an active reflection on the things that have happened and why they happened why were you angry today why were you upset what were the things how did you react to them so asking yourself tough things about your day or even writing to yourself about things about your day that's happened and realizations about yourself so if you come to a certain realization maybe you realize okay i'm a codependent person or actually don't know how to deal with confrontation you don't just write it in your journal and just leave it there it's like oh yeah i dream about not having comfort having bad confrontation habits okay now what now that you have this awareness of yourself you have to do something about it because Mm. in that awareness it's not being able to confront people is holding you back from things that you could have dealt with relationships that could have been healed opportunities that could have further pushed on so you pair that journaling with active behavior change and honesty with yourself and self-reflection So how do I then become better at communicating and stuff like that? So yeah, that's how journaling helps. Just writing in your book. its it's, Sometimes it's really good. There is healing that comes from just mere expression. Being able to say that I don't like this, or I feel this way can itself be the healing you need. But sometimes there's also that need for you to pair that with behavior change Mm. so that you're not just healing, you're also actively growing. Mm. Yeah.
1: Mm. Okay. I wanted to ask, when I, about again back to the workplace yeah how would you advise either first employers c- to create healthier environments for their work for their employees mm-hmm. and how do you adv- what do you advise for employees to do to maintain sanity yeah or mental health yeah in a in a in a crazy workplace Okay,
3: so for the the employer, I'd say first you go get therapy Mm. um, because everything starts from the top. And when you're in therapy, talk to your therapist also about your work, what type of person that you are, um, and also conduct that assessment with your team, Mm. what type of leader are you? Because whatever culture shift you want to make, you need to be aware. You can't just do things because that's what you're supposed to do. You need to it with some awareness and clarity of mind of what do you want it to do, be like or look like and how do I contribute because you have the, you have the most power in that particular environment. So if you're going to steer the ship, you need to know how to steer the ship. So talk about how you are, what are you doing to create, what kind of work environment have you created? Go to therapy for yourself, see the benefit of it. And then you can start off, depending on your pocket, um, for smaller businesses, I'd say that before you go down to the path of offering free therapy, to your team, you may not be able to afford it because each person you're still going to pay therapy their fees on their head. What you can start off with is something like a newsletter. Mm. Just pay, like in our practice we have like different packages we give to some people, small businesses, like packages that you can afford. There's a package where you can pay for us to send therapy session letters for your month then we can also offer like free screening services mental health screening for some of your team members and we can also have like a class that talks to people about their mental health Mm. generally so you do what is affordable to your pocket it could be Maybe anytime they have mental health, World Mental Health Day, if you can only afford to get someone to come and talk about mental health on that day, then do just that. If you can create a conversation within your team where, okay, this particular day is going to be to them dedicated to mental health day, instead of inviting someone to come in, somebody in the team should now lead the conversation about it. Mm-hmm. It comes at no cost to you. Mm-hmm. But what it does is there is that intention around creating that awareness of mental health, whilst also taking into consideration how you are showing up as a boss to make that a work environment, a mentally healthy one. So doing that, if you can afford more money, then you can invite someone. Then you can then have, okay, let's have a newsletter, let's have mental health screening for some people, let's now pay for people's therapy. So. Think about what you can do based on what you can afford. There is something that everybody can do. There are NGOs that are willing to offer their services to companies at a super reduced rate just to even provide mental health care. Let's come and talk about it. Let's benefit off each other's platforms, that sort of thing. Sponsor mental health events if you can. Even if it's 20K, you're giving or 30. It goes a long way. You can just pay for logistics alone and cover the event. Yeah. So it contributes as well what you can. So it depends on the level of financial um, strength you have Mm. then as the employee you have to take care of yourself there are places in your life where your job does not touch you but if those places are touched it would affect your work Mm. so Things like, are you sleeping well? Are you eating well? Are you exercising? Um, Are the relationships in your life healthy? Your support system, do you have a strong support system? What is your self-esteem like? Do you have boundaries? Do you know how to say Mm. yes or no? Can you Mm. self-reflect and know what you want so that you're giving your best at work? Do you have Mm. morals? Do you have principles? What is your spiritual life like? So caring for yourself as a human being in the areas that your job has nothing to do with, is very important because Mm. those are the parts of yourself you would bring to your work where you're able to then say i'm sorry but i can't work past 5 p.m i'm overworked with a lot of things Mm. um this you can't speak to me that way i understand where you're coming from but this is also where i'm coming from Mm. conflict resolutions all of these things matter if every single person is taking care of themselves mentally (coughs) and emotionally then and the company is then making it possible for you to seek added help or even get added information to what you already know that would be amazing and if people do have like mental health issues let there be like a channel that you can always they can follow okay who do I talk to you speak to this person if we can't afford a therapist we'll seek the assistance of an NGO if they can provide counseling and then can get help so yeah
0: Mm. what are the big biggest misconceptions Nigerians have about your job your line of work
3: I don't know. Tell me. <laughs> 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 what is your biggest misconception about my work? Let me ask you the question. Um, that we
0: pay you guys just to listen and talk, just to listen to us. Eh? That's, so yeah. That's you think
3: I went to school to go and do master's degree because that's, I want to
0: listen to you? That's, that's mm-hmm. discussion okay, that misconception. Okay, you
3: know what? If that is the case, eh? Mm-hmm. if I tell you I'm depressed oh yeah come and talk me out of it I can't exactly
0: and I tell people that I'm depressed that's why you have to go to therapy bro oh really I so cannot, why are you
3: complaining about I cannot we're... afford I exactly. can't, I can't, I'm
0: not even trained you, to oh. do it yeah. oh you so you,
3: <laughs> you are answering the very question that's okay. why we charge you that's that more that therapy money. ladies and gentlemen reverse 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 therapy yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you, so you see, you can't if somebody comes to you and tells you that they're hearing voices at night what are you going to do do people wow. come and tell you stuff like that? No. When a person is making decisions that are obviously back to back to back to back, harming them and harming other people, yeah. and they come and talk to you and they tell you, "Oh um, well, this is what I've been doing and I don't know how to stop I just you. refer how them. How are you? you to ref- who? Who are you going to refer them to? The to the professionals. Why are we professionals? Because, because we have studied. Exactly. Yeah. So when we ask you for professional fees, you pay.
0: Yeah. That's it. You yeah. pay for
3: it. It's not... When people are having... Sometimes I'm in therapy sessions and I'm listening to people talk about their issues and I just know... In a normal conversation, in a thousand and one years, you most likely have never thought of asking your friend the question I just asked. Because yes. <laughs> your mind would never ever go there. Yeah. Your it's not your the way that I'm able to connect people's life history where they, you know, things they told me about their childhood from six sessions ago with the behavior they're having now that's just revealing itself because the context has enabled for that particular mm. character to come out. I'm connecting it and helping them make sense of their today mm. and making sure that they're making better so they can see themselves. It's mm. like they don't even have the consciousness or insight too. Is that the conversation we have with your friend every day? Nope. Are you paying that much attention to your friend to know that much about your friend to assist your friend make better decisions? Your friend will gossip you for outside. So, 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 so when your I last, huh? you, See this person
1: decrease. Exactly. <laughs>
3: so when I put a bill and I give you an invoice you're not just coming to come and sit and talk to me. Mm. That's not what you're doing. That is a very Productive life-altering yeah. conversation that we're having for you, and you will pay. Mm. My school fees was not cheap. Yeah, not been. Love
1: it. No, it was <laughs> not. It's the energy for me. Yeah. Mandy. Mm-hmm. Um. Jackpot is upon us. Hallelujah. There's an exodus in Nigeria. What has been the climate in your practice? What has the c- climate in your practice been like since the exodus that has happened in Nigeria? So for the people who have stayed back, mm-hmm. the people who these, their loved ones have left, yeah, and the ones who have gone out of Nigeria. So people here and people out of Nigeria, I do know that you have you have customers or you have clients, no, be yeah. not customers, they don't say customers, sorry. <laughs> in my profession, it's customer. Yeah. But, what has it been like having clients who are suffering so in the in the Jagba side yeah. loneliness yeah. being away from their network and then the people they've left behind yeah what has that been like and how can we cope because we are actually a lot of people are dying from loneliness yes yes it's very so lonely.
3: you know i'm thinking about this now and Hmm. Do you know a part of me is asking a question like If I've noticed a pattern in my work mm. If that pattern is That when my clients that I hear Chapa The quantity of therapy they receive Significantly reduces I'm thinking about that actually. That's something I need to pay attention to. Please let to. us like, do the outcome yeah, do of people, that survey. Do, yeah. Do the clients I work with at Jack Bar, do they continue therapy or does it like significantly reduce mm. why does that happen? That's definitely worth it might be yes, it might be no. Mm-hmm. But um what has the climate like being like here for work? Um, so well there's relationships which is which are the ones that are most affected. Um, people who are Losing friends, that's always a very popular one. I'm trying to navigate it. And then also, like, the the people that are now, even though that distance has been created, there's now that difficulty with sustaining friendships and mm. um, how to, like, navigate that. How do I keep my friends? So now there's now more of a conversation around the case for friendships. People now need friends because their friends are not here anymore. Yes. That time difference, they fuck up relationship. Terribly. <laughs> You they fuck up relationship mm. die. Because if you fight with your friend, na na na, nah, 9 pm, you they go to sleep. Your friend, na 5 o'clock, when they <laughs> just they wake up, their eyes shining. Yeah. That period when you're going to go and see between 10 and six and don't write message, finish <laughs> You, you <laughs> go wake up for text message, you see everything. Right. And it's not face, nobody say if you drive, you can drive to the house and say, ah, hey. oh, no, mm. it's, it's phone. Yeah, video call. So conflict resolution becomes a bit more difficult for like close friendships. So, um, relationships also take a strain um, so people come in to like figure out how to balance that my wife is here my husband is here um, fidelity issues how do I manage that how do we do we open our relationship do we leave it closed um, do we even continue the relationship mm. how do I navigate um, and break, um, breakfast my friends and I are saying like we're going to talk about this we just call jackpot breakfast <laughs> it's like a it's a specific Phenomenal. type of Jaguar breakfast, breakfast. nobody said the relationship spoils exactly and simply because and Mm. when the person leaves because they are going through their own thing that you have no relation to and nigeria is still here throwing you the most Mm -hmm. ah, then that strain then comes so for couples to now find that and even friends and family to find that common ground of communication is hard um so yes it's been really helping people and those who leave helping them like settle in And that's when I started to think about like, most of my clients that jackpot, like uh, it's been a while since I've heard from some of them. I was just running through my, my sheet now and I have no us. I need to go back and go and see when was the last time they had mm-hmm. therapy because I don't think that it's for increased access to the kind of therapies that works for them. I think cost might have something to do it, with it and mm. also like survival as well might play a part in it. But I might be wrong. I might be wrong. It could also be a thing of maybe just changing the environment was much better for them and then as they, they, they felt like they were doing much better taking care of themselves as well. So... Yeah. Um.
1: Oh, have you, do you think that that has? I, I don't know if that answers like what it's like for people over abroad. there as well.
3: Yes. Okay. So for people abroad, they are usually people who have <coughs> left from for a while, mm. but then come and then they look for therapy. So the people that I work with that from abroad are people who. Okay, different categories. One, spoke to a friend up there that's in Nigeria that knew about our service and referred them. Number two, they were referred by their company that works abroad. So we have like companies abroad that have like, that run mental health services where they are able to connect companies that have a diverse group of clients to therapy practices across the world. Interesting. So, yeah, so there are companies like that. And so some people get referred to me through that company. And they may be in Nigeria, they're in Lagos here, but then yeah. it's from the U.S. that would then get their referral because of the international company you work with. And then some of them are abroad as well. So we have people who have lived abroad for a while, they're either schooling or working, they reach out for therapy because they've also tried to do therapy abroad, but then it wasn't working because that cultural difference was there and they couldn't really make that relation with their connection with their therapist. So they wanted someone that, if they're telling you of a typical Nigerian childhood, you're not saying to them, like, that's abuse, or mm. you're saying like, oh, that could never possibly happen. Someone who understands what that means as well. Um, and yeah, so that's pretty much it. So some people abroad still do reach out here for therapy sessions. They still want to talk to a therapist here. But I don't think I've seen, the time I saw an increase was during covid but since then it's just been the same
1: so yeah. how did these guys deal with loneliness that disconnect now mm. yeah i think that that's so important because i really want to talk about that, that loneliness yes
3: no it takes time mm. it takes a bit of time um because you also have to get used to a lot of things mm. and it really does bring you up to yourself as a person like what your social skills are Um in Nigeria here it's really not hard to make friends mm. if you go for a party one person is like this is my sister mm. people are all on the same table like mm. even wedding they don't throw all of you one person is drinking here and say do you want some where's mm. your cup let me pour for you mm-hmm. how's your day mm-hmm. that's it mm-hmm. but when you're abroad there are so many things you have to deal with first you become aware that you're black and then you become mm. aware that you're Nigerian and then you become aware of your gender in a different way that you never were conscious of it then you realize like okay the social economic status you have means like you have access to some places and you don't have access to some places mm-hmm. and that is very wide Wow. Um, and then you also have to not get used to either a different language or just a different way of life that people have that would then cause you to even question your own understanding of what life should be like mm. so you're going through all these changes you're trying to even understand how the money works you're also at the same time trying to understand school and the schooling system is different from what you have because it challenges you to think sometimes and then you're like what's all this education I'm doing that I never did when I was at home, or what's all this work I'm doing? So, all of those adjustments become very difficult. But if you're able to like push yourself in terms of you have to now broaden your scope of relationships. Try to speak to people at work mm. or try to you know build friendships with people that you go to school yes. with. Come out of your shell. Like, actively create your own social environment. Mm. You're going to be lonely. You can start off with people who come from Nigeria and you can start off with the locals. I'm always of the opinion that make friends with the locals yeah become a part of the community mm. let the people around you know you the places mm. you go to shop for groceries greet them all the time that's how you now start before you know it, by the time you have your this is where I buy my Gary guy my Meats guy my Dispersing guy my, you're already building your community mm. they know your name then you can ask them questions where are you show interest in them mm. so they can show interest in mm. you as okay. a person so Dealing with loneliness is actively doing the work to go against that loneliness. That's to build your own environment and then Actively making the effort to keep in touch with the people here, as mm. much as people here are making an effort to keep in touch with you. Yes. So it can get real sad when you're in school doing the YGX and then your friends are at Obi's house. <laughs> you, know, day, you know, on a Monday. <laughs> on <laughs> a Monday evening. On a Monday, and the music is jamming. A hey, president. Like, and
0: yeah, I you dealing with cold. Yeah. I <laughs> see. Man, it's <was> two degrees. <laughs> <laughs> say, Oh, my sister's Lagos. Oh, oh my God. Now I like Lagos. I say. <laughs> Yeah.
3: put Nigerian flag <laughs> on your, on your uh, profile, like, and so you know you have to maintain like that relationship. Like my friends that have um will just have moments where you send your 15-minute voice notes mm. catch up on what has what has been going on in your life, and you just download everything. I don't yes. want people to like very strict expectations mm-hmm. that you must reply immediately. It's like no, just reply me when you can. If I want to talk to you between when I sent you the last voice note and this one, I'll text you. Shout. But I also remind you like about exactly. this my voice notes. So, so because everyone's going through it. So there has to also be that expansion in the grace that you give yourself. Exactly. And the grace that you give to your friends that yeah. are here and the active effort you put into sustaining. Sustaining the old relationships you have and then creating new ones. Mm-hmm. So you have to actively do it. It's not going to throw itself. I've made friends in restaurants, for boss. Um, my friends have made friends in laundromats, but abroad, it's not easy like that. Mm. As you see this person, this person different different, culture. Mm. It's a different culture. Like the diversity is real when we think about the cities that we're going to. So, building relationships are not that easy. Mm. They, they would not happen to you the way they will happen mm-hmm. to you. At home. So, you have to go to them. So, yeah.
1: I think that adds to what you just said. I think that it's also very important to be, for people to understand that relationships change. Yeah. Like your relationship can always, will always take a different form Mm -hmm. the more you grow the relationship like leave, leave an open mind for the changes that will happen in the relationship so yeah. because somebody is your best friend and the person has relocated yeah doesn't mean that both of you be chit-chatting all the time anymore yeah, yeah. leave an open mind to the fact that okay now this relationship has taken a new form yeah our new um channel or medium of communication is over the phone mm-hmm. i need to respect your time you need to respect my time this yes. is no more over. I'll just barging to your house mm, in, be <laughs> because i find that a lot of people are strong on they they they've latched on so tightly to the, what the relationship used to be and i'm afraid to embrace the new thing because it's just like would this person still be my friend would yes. they still like me yes. you know yes. and i think don't shy away from the difficult conversations yes. be very open to th- as many and hard the conversation may be, mm-hmm. be open to it because it's all part of the process, all part of the growth, you know. Yeah. And keep in touch often, yes.
2: you know. Keep that's in touch often.
1: Valid. Yeah. And that, just to add to that, anyway,
0: that's what I was thinking. Yeah. yeah. Um. My final question is a little bit of segue. When Ugochukwu was reading your. Award when you buy you. Love it. And yeah. she said Archite- architectural photography. Ah. Yeah. Architecture.
2: Money.
0: Some, so <laughs> so, so there was some I picked up on architecture this year because I'm mm. writing my book. Okay. And I've started looking at different architectural styles. So how did you pick that up?
3: Wow. Love it. I'm an architecture pick me. Not be me pick up. <laughs> <laughs> not even lie. Yes. Um, so I did not know that I liked architecture mm. at all. I did not know that I felt passionate about it for absolutely nothing. It was. Um, 2017 as well when I started in Didier I also said I didn't to take my photography seriously and this was a time when I was I had also realized that I really liked the art scene I think working in Alara sort of also opened my mind in that way to what art could be and photography and the rest and I was like I actually do like photography and I want to take it seriously and I, I remember someone introduced me gave me like a chance to have a meeting with I think it was Papa I had a meeting with the whole mm. time when they had shout out, shout out to Papa Yeah Major shout out to Papa Oh, is great um, Dilly, always. Greatest supporter. I'm telling you. Always available. Yeah, so I think we sat together and he asked me a question, which was... um where is your work going to like, what is your voice? What is your style? You had like all of these pictures and images, but what are you trying to do with it? Like you have to go and figure it out. Then after that, this was also around the time I met Likia Labi Sama and I found out about AAF and Canon as well. And Canon was doing a training where they were teaching people how to use a camera. And you know, Liki had told me to apply for it one time and I I tried and I didn't get in, I think, or he, or he told me that he was doing another one I should apply for that one. But I need to really figure out what it was that I wanted to do. So I went back and I sat down and I looked up my work and I realized that anytime I had to shoot anything that wasn't architecture, my camera was blurry. I just could not get it right. But the moment I was shooting a building, that was like one of the most beautiful things I'd ever seen. Mm. So one Sunday after church, I said, let me test this out. Took my camera out and walked down Victoria in Victoria Island. I think it was Bishop at Deco, where they have that KPMG. And mm. me, yes. So I was walking there and I was just like, you know, I really like the way this building looks. I took a picture of it and I took a picture of the building next to it. And I just chose that experience. I think I took a few more photos, but just that walk just focusing on just buildings. I went home and I was like first I like the images and second of all I like I I like buildings and I remember uh, an ex-partner of mine used to tell me, they were like, Amanda anytime you take pictures of buildings, like they look really good like you know how to photograph yeah, buildings. buildings and they showed me one of the buildings I had taken pictures from from the balcony of their workplace and I was like, wait, I actually do have a thing and I actually do like old buildings yes. um, so I after, and I was fascinated with old buildings I was fascinated with Lagos Island and Yaba and everything but I'd never, nothing else had put me in a space where I had to meditate on this thing, this architecture thing, nothing. Until that moment when a few people just sort of, with the comments they made, Pushed me in a direction where I was mm. like, okay, let me see what's going on here. So that was how I started. From those two pictures, from KPMG and that Victoria Mall and Abia Deco, I just started taking pictures of buildings. I was like, oh, my goodness. And then I realized, like, you know, when you're walking, you're always just looking straight. But when you look up at Lagos, like, there's mm. so much to see. In the, the skyline. Yeah, yeah, the skyline is different. It's mm-hmm. constantly changing. And it was so fascinating to me. And <laughs> there is this whole history of like a whole community yeah. and how they had influenced us and like the evidence of this community's existence. That's like afro brazilians Yeah, Afro-Brazilian community. The buildings that they were talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And that when you had to talk about slave trade, we before you got to one, you had Casa de Fernandes, which was a slave house as well. Yeah. Wow. So it's like mad. These things that they're talking about in books, they are for real, for real. Have, yeah. we, have it, we
0: have the time stamps here, yeah. physically.
3: It's exactly. Like physically, I was blown a fucking way and I love history so I was like yes. wow my goodness you're trying to tell me like for real for real. I know we have that port of no return but it's all the way in Badagri but it here is. in Lagos yeah. it was mad so and I was just with the buildings it was just the buildings the style the way they were built and they were Beautiful, even in their age, they were still something
0: beautiful. so majestic yes. about it
3: and they were refreshing to the eyes. It wasn't mm. just like these political buildings we have now, square roofs. Exactly. Square so boring. Exactly. Minimalism. There's no personality. That time, where Not if your papa won't get you now drawing would be on top of Exactly. Yeah. an yeah. So like even the door handle was designed so well. much
0: opulence for people. Exactly. Back and it
3: wasn't like it was something that was just accessible to only the wealthy people. Even the rest Regular people, had yes, that it their was. They, yeah, they built their house beautifully, mm. beauty inside. Yeah, mm-hmm. so like it was. It opened me up to like a new part of Lagos. And from reading about, because I didn't study architecture and I was fascinated with Afro-Brazilian buildings, I would do my research. And I think this is by virtue of having a master's degree. You don't just take things for what they are, you want to study. Yeah, that's hmm. So I found, deeper. yeah, I found this research article by this lady called Lejo, Majori, who had done her PhD thesis on Afro-Brazilian and Yoruba architecture. I still have not finished that till today. Wow. But it's like a full thesis of about 600 and something pages. And I used to read it like constantly to just learn about like the Afro-Brazilian architecture, the history of the Afro-Brazilians and settling in Lagos and such. And it's just it just having that work that's just focused on architecture just really shows you that architecture is like a way to tell the mindset and this the the mindset of the people, the spirit of the people, the economy of the people yes. from just the way that they built. Like Amazing. how even changes in religious practices was also evident in the style of building. I yeah. Was, yeah. yeah whoa! (laughs) I don't even understand how much space (laughs) the cathedral exactly Exactly. the churches you go to why they were built what were the things that happened conversations the people that came together it was like all of this just studying the history of a country's architecture can open up your mind to so many things about Mm. that particular building Mm. so because of that because of its historical significance and meaning and heritage I just I was just constantly fascinated with architecture not just even the physical building of it but the theory of it why do people build the way they build what informs their decision to build something what is the the principles of beauty and design and art that goes into the creation of a building access to luxury access to beauty how space influences emotion how buildings are just as much as human beings Mm. interdependence of all the different like architecture has opened me up to thinking about different facets of Mm. human Human existence Exactly. so I am forever enamored by this particular Mm. subject I don't want to go to school because i don't want to be boxed in mm. by the thought of education because education has a way of shaping your way yeah. of thinking. Mm. i like thinking about architecture as an artist and maybe hopefully in the future a researcher as mm. much as i'm a photographer as well mm. yeah. so yeah it's a subject and then of course i really like photography i think it's a very beautiful art yes um I think that, especially now more so, that people think that because there is social media that the, the talent of photography has died. No. I, I refuse to believe that yes. because yes. if everybody was a photographer, we'd live in an entirely different world. Mm-hmm. And, true. and the truth is that it wouldn't really mean anything because everyone can shit. So, you know, it does it's not nothing special about it. Mm. The fact that there are people who are photographers and they are given awards or they are printed and published in places or you go to the museum or you go to an exhibition, even just down the streets, you want to hang a picture in your house and look at it and be like, Wow there is a technique and art and a skill that goes into creating images that human beings find appealing. It's not just something that anybody can do. No, <coughs> yeah, mm-hmm. it's not. Mm-hmm. Even if you can do it, it's not something that everybody who can do it that wants to do it mm-hmm. and wants to continue to do, do it and so, excel at it. Exactly. exactly. It's not everybody wants to. So there are people who do that and that is an art itself and it's a very beautiful art. So I love images, I love pictures. I love photography as a medium of, you know, expressing my interesting and i also i am terribly in love with architecture yeah. and documenting and documenting architecture yes. it's just it's i'm in love
1: let's talk about real quick your journey to the moma the ah! to the museum of modern art in new york okay. shout out to you yeah, to big me. shout out to you yes you know because a lot of artists have not had their artists or oh, their pieces you. in the moment and you. Little do you get what i mean? congratulations on that I was giving avengers the pictures that we saw <laughs> just like uh-uh. and shout out to all the other artists that went yes. as well but talk about that experience uh, what was it like being in new york mm-hmm. new york has a lot has a lot for the art scene yes then being nigerian and having your your work the pictures you took here in nigeria whether it was in inugu or it was here in lagos because i do know you documented other parts of nigeria in terms of buildings yeah um how was that like for you having your work at the moma experiencing moma and also being nigerian and having your work there
3: how was Mm -hmm. it for you um as a nigerian it made me feel like you know, there's a big story, a little a shift has happened and I'm I'm part of it. I love it very nice. You know, <laughs> it's like it was the first time the moment was showing living African artists and I was part of the yes. African artist. So yes. I was like, damn, okay. Amazing. <laughs> I was I didn't really get what it meant until I went to like the different levels of the moma and I was seeing the works of other like notable um American or European artists. Frida mm. Kahlo's work was there, Picasso's work was there, and I was wow. like, uh uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, girl, I'm downstairs. Yeah. <laughs> love <laughs> it <laughs> love it so, like, I'm my love it so much so, like, it was <laughs> such an honor it's, and there is this photographer who is like my major mentor he's dead now um why, why is his name doesn't my mouth my photographer um, Nigerian. Yeah. Yes. no, know no, he's not okay. Nigerian. he's an architect for like, Julius Schulman and mm. I saw his work he's the images of like places he had shot I've only ever seen them in books mm. but when I saw like them in print I cried I was like oh my god so mm. that's amazing so, yeah so it was it was it was nice it was such a nice feeling i truly respect the moment especially because of how they treated us as artists mm. i got that baby girl treatment you know? <laughs> like i feel like an egg like <laughs> man me just shout out to only remy on our banjos from now shout to forever i'll mm. always pray for that baby. because think you guys nice. don't know
0: what the moment just go and google it you guys, can't emphasize how big it is, it is. exactly yes. it's
3: a physically big place mm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah so um So we got there. They got us a hotel. We stayed there um, a couple of nights. We had the opening, a private opening, and we had, like, the general opening. And throughout the time when it was open, I tried as much as possible to go in there, like, daily just to engage with the people. I like talking to people about Mm. my art. I give them, like, walkthrough. People ask questions and, you know, engage with the work. And just hearing from people's perspective what they perceive the work to be Mm. like. i even meeting Brazilians who will come and say, oh, my God, I'm a Brazilian, and I'm seeing this building looks like the building In my own home state. Wow. It was it was nice. And I remember speaking to this woman and after everything, um, she asked me so many questions. She was like, Oh, I'm Brazilian and I'm an architect. Wow. I like the way you talk about I love it when architects tell me they like the way I talk about architecture. Yes. Because I'm like, yes, because I'm not an architect. So (laughs) I as much as I know that I'm talking about this subject, I also want to know that. I'm also respecting the people who are in the exactly, ground as well. Exactly, exactly. Yes, especially because I know that there is a place where I lack. Mm-hmm. So I'm not trying to be you, but I want you to understand mm-hmm. that I also see what mm-hmm. you see as well. So, yeah, so it was it was a nice experience just engaging with the diverse crowd of people with the work. I think that the one thing that really fascinated me as much um, was I did like a thing where I went to like all the, oh, I tried to go to as many museums as possible, but mostly like the major ones, the Guggenheim, the Whitney, and, mm-hmm. and I wanted to go to the Mets but I went late so I missed mm. that and then also like just seeing like smaller galleries in the, mm. in the city area that have like big open interactions mm. going on um it was such a beautiful experience because and even like attending events that were hosted by artists themselves to gather other artists together to just do art stuff and mm, have a potluck and mm. you know network with each other just that brief glimpse of the city life was kind of nice because yeah. it sort of opened my head to that, possibilities. Yeah, possibilities that there are so many other things that can happen yes. in this life and just even knowing that it the major museums in new york were started and founded by women was like amazing to me mm-hmm. well. like, mind blown so for me it was like wow there's so much you're capable of and you can actually move things around mm-hmm, and change mm-hmm, things mm-hmm. and having photography be the thing that is putting Nigeria on the map and African art on the map in this way internationally is such a huge step for us. It's Cause I was I tell my friends all the time, like when I go for exhibitions and I go for <coughs> quite a number of exhibitions most of the time, you always see paintings and mm. sculptures, but well, hardly do you see photography. Photography mm. is not an art that is so deeply appreciated mm. in Nigeria um, by the general public, not yes. just by a select few people who are yes. in the art scene. So, just being in that way, just having that attention, so yes. like, okay, this has given us a, some sort of credibility, yes. unfortunate as it may be, but it is still a valid form of credibility mm-hmm, that we're doing mm-hmm. something important. And every story that each of us is telling is also so valuable yes so because of that i was like you know what we need to like ride on this shit like mm. how do i continue to keep this conversation about nigerian photography going mm. with the kind of attention that i now have on me how mm. do i use this platform to like widen that yeah so i think the greatest thing i got as much as this was a thing that showed my work the thing that um was most transformative for me was just how much my mind has been opened. yes it's it has yielded so many things Mm -hmm. for me as a photographer as an artist like what i thought was my limit has just been shattered Mm. and built again and it's not because there are people coming to hand things to me and say no amanda we want you to be a part of that nobody's coming to me to chase me down for that (laughs) if that's what you thought was happening like people were just knocking on my door for exhibition left right let me just help you know that that's not happening (laughs) Um, what has rather happened is now, me wanting to have a much more active role in my career and knowing, like, there are some stories I want to tell. Mm-hmm. And I don't just want to tell my own story. Mm-hmm. There are artists that I also want to carry along with me. With you. To tell that. So how do I open this more to yeah. give them what I have? So that, it's refreshed my mind. Even the kinds of work I'm doing, pushing me to challenge myself, to, mm-hmm. want to ask mm-hmm. more questions, to want to invest more into my artistry has mm. been the most lasting transformation and I'm super grateful to. Amazing, yeah, and even the network of people that I have access to now. So that's it's beautiful. And I'm really doing my best to sustain those relationships. The more sustaining,
1: <laughs> see, you must do oh, <laughs> very importantly. Yeah. Yeah, Um, to wrap up, mm-hmm. um, you have a newsletter called Life Shit. Yes. And um, wow. please, can you talk about Life Shit? I think that's what that's what basically. So,
3: for anyone who listens to this podcast that has listened to any of my episodes or read any of my newsletter, I'm sorry. <laughs> life has been, I've, I've been going through some shit. I can yeah. Life shit. I've been going through some life shit. Life now, shit. Honestly, and because of that, I've just consciously said I need to put this podcast on the back burner and this newsletter because mm. I need to get myself together. So mm-hmm, I can mm-hmm. have what important. I yeah. So what is life shit about? It's pretty much just talking about some life shit. Um, things that we experience, but mostly from an emotional and mental point of view. Mm. I, I say I'm, I'm still trying to figure out be, how to talk about it because I don't want it to rely so much on my work as a therapist. Mm-hmm, I want mm-hmm. it to just come from like a human existential exactly. perspective. Yes, yeah. perspective. Yeah. So I think that for me to be able to access that part of myself, I need to dissociate from my therapist practice part of myself as well. Yeah. So I'm now in the process of doing that. So I think that like next year I'll have more space and more opportunity to be able to like, you know, invest more into the podcast. So newsletter, it's really just about life shit, navigating life shit. We've talked about, you know, sex and porn. We talked about, I've written about um creating ease in your life. Yes. I've written about money, how like sometimes I and I write them from a personal Perspective, perspective, like something I'm going through. So mm-hmm. today I was asking myself, like, do I have to be going through something to write about something in my newsletter? Is that <laughs> what this is about now? Yeah. So, but um, I'm trying. That's the detachment I need to learn. So, um, written about uh, sex, we talked about money, we talked about creating ease in your life, we talked about friendships, we talked about leaving family. And when I say we, I've just, I've written a letter to people about it, leaving your family and loving your family. Um, what is again friendships, building friendships as you're an adult. Uh, I've uh, talked about. I think I can't remember what the episodes of the podcast have mm-hmm. been about, Sha, But yeah, so just some life life share things that just like those abstract things that still have power over your life. Yes, that mm-hmm. are very important. That you need to you need to have that space to think about it. The current one I'm writing. Okay, I recently wrote one about being busy. Yes, I think that's the one that Ann Gucci yes. talked one. That writing that particular piece really helped <coughs> heal me in a way that I didn't even know was possible because I shame myself a lot for how busy I am. Mm. Like when I'm doing things, when people say you're such a busy person, I'm like, no, I'm not a busy person. Now I'm not doing anything. Mm-hmm. But when I sit down and I assess my life, I'm doing. I work almost every day, yeah. and it's the curse of being an entrepreneur because when people are sleeping, you have to catch up, and you also have to make money. You have to move. You have to make sure that reports are being handed in. Like- yeah. Things are flowing in an efficient timeline, and you have to be on top of other people, too. And sometimes it requires more than five days a week and, you know, the eight to five hours, at 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Sometimes it requires your 2 a.m., your 1 a.m., your 3 a.m. so that you can mm. be able to make things happen. So I haven't been giving myself grace for that. So I wrote that letter about being busy and accepting that I am, in fact, a busy person. Very busy. And Mm. I shouldn't be shamed. I should not feel any shame about it. And that has helped me, like, manage my time better. So it's just sharing with people the things I know. Um, The letter I'm currently working on now is called Body Image, uh, where I'm just going to be writing. Oh, my God, that's so important. Yeah, I'm going to write about how growing up as myself, like, having that conflict of watching America T V and being told you're not skinny enough and then being yeah. at home and being told that like you're overweight. So so you're super underweight. Mm. So you're like, Am I fat or am, am I thin? skinny? Am I just a person with like what is my body? Not knowing how to reconcile the person that you are. Um and then coming into that place of like self acceptance, what were some of the things that I did to help myself get to that point mm. where Importance. it doesn't matter, yeah, what my physical body looks like, but just how I felt about myself. Yes. So, Um, so yeah, so that's what life shit is. So that's I'm gonna write about that life shit for the image. Love it. I really, I
1: really, really love that you've been you've come to this podcast today. Um, I don't know if we covered everything that I imagine that people want to talk about, but I think given the time frame and everything, I think we spoke about a wholesome amount of things, right? We did. Um any mental health advice for Nigerians home and abroad that you think we can practice to keep ourselves sane yeah. in light of what's even happening in the world, inflation, wars here and there, well, conflicts, let me not call it, I don't know.
3: You know, Any mental health advice? Um, you need a support system. Mm. So what it takes to create a healthy support system Having good communication skills, learn how to have good conflict resolution, learn how to be an honest version of yourself, to be vulnerable and to allow for intimacy. If you're gonna get through anything in life, you can't do it by yourself. Very true. Very important. So you need to start working on how do I keep my friendships, how do I be a better friend, how do I be a better partner, how do I be a better parent, how do I be a better child and really show up for people while also prioritizing yourself. We desperately need each other far much more than anything and having people support you, it's like, it helps you heal better and it helps Mm -hmm. you grow better because you have people in your corner who are looking out for you. And it's not just about you going to find those people, it's also about you being that person to other people as well. Be a good part of their support system, but build your support system. And then don't run from yourself. Um, That constant self-evaluation and self-reflection, being able to say to yourself, like, you know what, sometimes I could be a bitch, like, sometimes I could be rude, sometimes like I'm not perfect all the time. Uh And hold yourself accountable for that itself is also quite important as well. So looking out for yourself self-evaluation self-reflection having a support system have a healthy as close to healthy a morning routine and night routine like a plan for your day Mm. and then also if you can afford therapy seek therapy if you can't Reach out to NGOs, use YouTube and use Google and use Quora as resources to help you improve your own mental well being. At least improve the way you think of yourself, mm. irrespective of your socioeconomic status. Yeah.
1: Amazing. Brilliant. Love, love, love it. Have you learned anything from the I have. I don't want to ask you what, but yeah. We'll talk later. It's not an exam, man. We'll talk about it later. Yeah. Thank you so much, Amanda, for the time. Yeah. Um, we yeah, know that your time yeah. is really, really money. <laughs> you know. Literally. Just, exactly. <laughs> thank you so much for giving us that time, for the, giving us this time. The, tri- the tribe is happy. The tribe yep. is grateful. 100%. Thank you. Uh, do, do, you want, do you want to say
0: anything um, more? Was, thank you for showing up and talking about, you know, what you do. Thank it's you. still... Even though it's trendy right now a lot of people still have question marks about it yeah. and i hope yeah. that you're giving some sort of illumination to people who yeah. are considering to right. try it out and everything yeah. so yeah thanks for popping up
3: thank you so I've much i've been
0: such a great uh guest yes thank you. Yeah.
3: thank you so much yeah i should get an award yeah not from here. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank Please follow us on every social media platform at 234 Essential Podcast. And send us family lafamila 234essential.com. Don't forget to be kind today. Thank you guys. Peace out.
0: We are